0: This is an AMI podcast.
1: I'm Kelly McDonald.
2: I'm Ramia Amadon. and this is Kelly and Ramia.
1: Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI Audio's on-air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald. Well, folks, settling in for your Thursday edition of the show. As usual, as we say, a really busy program. And glad you could be with us, whether you're catching us live, maybe you're listening in at AMI.ca, and you're streaming the show or from TuneIn Radio or OOTunes. Rum, we just like people being with us. Good day to you.
2: Good day to you. And yes, I agree. Uh, we like be- people being with us. And f- I feel like for particular reasons on specific shows, you know, like... Uh, Thursdays because you can get X, Y, and Z in, and Fridays because we get X, Y, and Z in, that kind of thing.
1: So I was commenting yesterday that we've moved some things around yeah. in the lineup and everything, and I'm trying to settle on. We we know our Fridays, we keep it the same. People seem to love that kind of more casual show. But which show gives the most variety? Is it still Monday? Monday, it seemed like we were going with mm-hmm. tech, sports, uh, you know, know your rights. There was so many different things. Community Reporter, what's coming up over at AMI, what we've got going on. They're, they're see- and then sometimes an external, sometimes one of our, our other uh, uh, monthlies. But Monday seemed like a really variety day. But now that we've kind of done some altering, yeah, boy, I don't know where the extremes are.
2: It can be anywhere, any day. It just means that you had to find the variety in the show.
1: Yeah, and it's, 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 it's a good thing, folks. Yes. You know, it makes us a little less predictable. Oh, anyway, yeah. Anyway, speaking of predictability, let's see what's coming up on the program today. <laughs> Gardener Susan Kearney has plans to consider folks specifically for our autumn gardens.
2: It's uh, IRD Awareness Month, which is the Inherited Retinal Disease Awareness Month in Canada. For the first year, we're going to learn more about it with Larissa Moniz of Fighting Blindness Canada.
1: On Curious Minds today, Christine Malik highlights images from the James Webb Telescope and explains sonifications that are making the images more accessible. Stick around for that conversation. It happens in Hour 2 here on Kelly and Company. The line to pay respects to the late Queen Elizabeth stretches now for seven kilometers. Thousands have already filed past the casket. The old and young, dressed in dark suits or jeans and sneakers, walk in a steady stream through Westminster Hall, where Guy Fawkes and Charles I were tried, and where kings and queens hosted magnificent medieval banquets, and where
3: previous monarchs have lain in state. After passing the coffin, most mourners pause to look back before going out through the hall's great oak doors. Some
1: wipe away tears, others bow their heads or curtsy. One sank onto a knee and blew a farewell kiss. Charles de Ledesma, Desma, London. Now, if we want to talk about an example Mm. of fantastic audio description, Charles... For mm-hmm. Dora's off to you today absolutely got a wonderful picture with some great history.
2: That is very very true Kell's. Um any kind of description in these beautiful audio clips is wonderful and you know um, who was it? It was one of the royal events. I feel like it was Meghan and Harry's wedding mm-hmm. where um Ira was covering or yeah, Ira was covering it and we got so much great description of clothing of custom of the amount of people standing around uh waiting outside uh, the palace for them to the couple to walk through and all these things and i was just like oh away. Yeah. yeah now yeah. you can kind of understand if you never did before what is so visually appealing about watching the royals
1: see i'd find Years ago, you know, when CBC or any of the broadcasters covered, they always had that person that spoke of it. Or yeah. as we have had people on the program talk beforehand, you'd get so much content and it gave me images. And and I think nothing like having on the spot because you can't retain all of that. But I often wonder and I don't know if Ira does this um, even before some of the big shows, you know, when they get on the red carpet, whether it's something and I'm not suggesting like right now, Toronto has the International film festival on, but I mean some of the award shows that people really clue into and want to watch what's going on on mm-hmm. there. Boy, there's so much, uh, the big hype about that for people who are interested is uh, is the descriptions of, of the clothing. And again, a, a lot of the broadcasters will say so much But, of course, they're assuming you can see it, so we we, uh, don't get as much as we'd like. I want to touch on this, Rum, for a moment. Tipping fatigue is hitting some Canadians. As requests for tips increase and spread to new businesses, some consumers say they feel uncomfortable Toronto resident Caitlin Green says tipping expectations increased during the pandemic and have remained high. She says some preset tipping suggestions start at 18%, an amount that's calculated on top of taxes and higher menu prices.
3: Now it's like 15% is rude.
4: No one does 15. It's like 18, 20, 25 at your appointed payment.
1: So, Green, a new mom with a six-week-old newborn, says she was recently asked for a tip when buying baby formula on an online retailer site. So, <laughs> and again, I guess there you're sitting there, who, who am I tipping, the machine? Mm-hmm. Um I've always been a tipper. I was, my family has, well, you know, my parents have always been, hey, you you got a tip. Now we're talking a different era, different time. But we are seeing this. We are seeing it on top of uh, raising fees. and, and, And understandably, the folks serving you, they're in that dilemma too, because, hey, man, I still have to pay the same if I'm going out or if I'm buying something.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. And these... Like, I, it was just the other day where I was uh, basically ordering from a counter, and then I usually, if they, the thing is a touch screen or whatever, get the person behind the counter to help me out, and they were saying, um, would you like to leave a tip? And you're put in this really awkward position. And then I say, sure, and they say, okay, 18, 20, or 25. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, right, for buying a burger? No. And it, it was... I, and, and come on, like, there's no way that people are just a- saying absolutely. And if you need assistance with the machine, Kels, it's even worse because you're you're being helped.
1: Yep. And Hatton mm. is saying, well, no, not as much. Mm. You feel and you understand the circumstance. But then you get into, so should I just not come out? Exactly. Maybe that's the solution. No, 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 sir. Come on out. Pay what you can. Folks, each year, Apple adds some spice to life with new updates to hardware and software. Michael Fair reflects on what the latest updates from a blindness perspective mean. Stay tuned. Any messages you want to send to the program, we'd love to hear you. 1-866-509-4545. Do it via phone. You can leave a message. Mention it's for Kelly and Company. And if you don't mind, give us permission to use your message on air. If we can use it, we shall. Always nice to hear whatever comments you have for us. 1-866-509-4545. Feedback at ami.ca. If you have questions about any of the networks or anything about Accessible Media Inc., maybe you want to do it that way. Feedback at ami.ca. And, of course... You can also engage over on Facebook. Just like the Accessible Media Inc. Facebook page, and away you go. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthu.
2: And on Thursdays, we like to keep well, we like to keep certain things the way they are. Let's bring on Michael Fair <laughs> to talk a little bit of Apple.
5: Hi, I'm Mike Fair. iPhones, iPods, and iPads are everywhere. And they're doing great things for the blind. We explore all that, plus audio entertainment, dramas, podcasts internet radio and games we share it all on kelly and company
2: like kelly said before the break it is a fun thing to chat about when apple does this you know keep uh, talking about all these new products because each year apple adds some spice to life with new updates to hardware and software and as usual michael fair has taken his time to get real deep into it and reflect on what these updates mean from a blindness and low vision perspective so, Mike, were there any overall trends in what Apple released this time around?
5: Well, I think, you know, one, one thing we've seen this year especially is a, a stronger effort to differentiate the levels of product. Like, there have been a n- number of years where you could get the exact same chip in the iPhone, uh, the regular level of iPhone that you could in the iPhone Pro. Uh, it, you know, there would only be certain features like the camera and other kind of peripheral things that would you know, sort of make a pro model of something better or the most expensive model. So we're seeing a kind of a change there where now there's, there's a much more kind of differentiation, sometimes to the point of annoyance. Uh, that, you, know, <laughs> you, you, know, you, you get more for spending more now. There's a, a more clear distinction. So you're gonna, as a blind person, you're going to have to think more about do, are the advantages of the top tier worth that expense you know, given your lifestyle? I guess,
1: too, for them making less of one or the other because they know this is going to be the item we're going to get after. This is an item that is more accessible financially for people. It's interesting because one would originally think, well, just make out the best that you can and sell them. Well, but that's going to preclude people who say, I don't need that. I can't justify that. So I get that. Um, have they done much to their Apple Watch lineup? Any any additions there, sir?
5: Yes, the the Series 8 is uh, the main, uh, the, the more affordable edition. <laughs> well, there's the SE as well. They've updated the SE and the, the series eight as the next iteration of the watch. Uh, they've added a temperature sensor uh, that is not a thermometer. One sensor is against the skin. The other is sort of the, under the top of the watch to get the air, you know, the, more the ambient temperature. Mm. And so what you get is a detector of change rather than the exact temperature. And that's helpful in a few things. That's helpful for sleep tracking, and it's helpful for women who want to track their ovulation and things like that. Apparently that causes a lot of notable changes in body temperature. And this thing can detect like a 0.1c change in your temperature. So it's it's pretty granular, uh, and, and it keeps track of that. So that could be quite helpful. The other thing is crash detection in these watches now. So if you get into a car crash, there are sensors in the watches that will detect that and it will call for help, um, and, uh, sort of integrate with emergency services and get, you know, to, if you're unresponsive, especially like it'll, it'll try to do its best to alert people, uh, that you've designated as emergency contacts mm-hmm. and such and get that word out, get help to you. Uh, low power mode is another new addition to the Apple watches, uh, That'll make the batteries last longer, and it 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 uh, it, it works with voiceover, so mm-hmm. no worries there. And uh, it'll just de- de- deactivate some features like constant tracking of workout activity, just to to you know increase the longevity of your battery charge. So that's the kind of thing that's added on to Series Eight uh, watches, and it's uh, the two forty nine for GPS uh, is the pricing there, and then the uh, uh, two ninety nine. Uh, is, or sorry, three, uh, <laughs> 349 and 399 are the prices there uh, for those watches. And uh, that's for GPS, and then the, the 399 is for cellular. Right. Uh, and, and so then the Apple Watch SE is the next thing um, that we have here.
2: Yeah, tell uh, us about the SE as well, but I would just want to say I love the crash detection. It uh, seems very... Similar to uh, medical alert, you know what I mean. That you take it out of your hands completely. The the thing will do it for you.
5: Yeah, and that's yeah. great if you're un, if if you're unconscious, you know, which is kind of can happen in a car crash. Mm-hmm. Uh, Even uh, if you're trapped, it, like if you're in a
1: situation where you yeah. can't get your you arm move. or or somebody yeah. needs to be, you know, alerted, or they it can come on the. You. Are you all right? No, I can't move. I'm in and any extra thing. If it's doing all that work for you, it's it act. Right. It, it, it's great for activating.
5: Yeah, and and that's in the uh, SE watches as well. They get the same chip as the Series 8 gets, so that boosts their their capability by about 20% speed uh, in terms of of over the, uh, I guess, the last SE this would be compared to. It gets a little tricky with Apple comparisons sometimes. Uh, Yeah. they, uh, you know, that gives you a bit of a boost there, and that is the the two forty nine for the beta to the uh, GPS, and then the two ninety nine for the GPS and cellular. So uh, that's your, your price point there, the cheapest level of watches. So uh, that's pretty good. You know, you get that you don't get the temperature sensor, but you get the uh, the chip and you get the crash detection. Yeah. So uh, that's that's pretty good there. Yeah. And uh, that extra battery level. So, uh, you know, get a little bit of a more of a battery, not a ton, uh, mm-hmm. but it'll help, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh,
1: well, in the low power mode everything like that. Uh, do you yeah. want to zip over to tell us how different than other watches we were speaking of this the other day on the program is the new Apple Watch Ultra.
5: Yes, this is the titanium watch for explorers and adventurers of all kinds here everything about this exudes toughness uh so you've got deep grooves in the uh crown which again a lot of these things will help blind people you know we oh, knock sure. our watches yeah. into things and mm-hmm. titanium's going to stand up to that the crown with the, the deeper grooves that'll be easier to feel even if you're wearing gloves uh, or underwater kind of thing in a wetsuit. That's kind of what they're thinking is. It has an extra action button, so that I presume that's along the left side where currently there's no button, um, and uh, you know that will uh, help with you can act, You can customize what that does, so that could that could have accessibility uses. It's got two speakers uh, positioned in the watch to really make it louder. It can make a sound that can be heard 600 meters away from you.
1: Oh my goodness. So
5: Yeah, that that's pretty. I wouldn't want to mess with that. Uh, I already have hearing loss. Um, uh, Microphones got three microphones in there, so it's going to hear you much better, uh, even in noisy environments. Again, something that could be helpful uh, for blind people. Uh, So there's a lot of things like that. Uh, All these, uh, any Apple Watch Ultra comes with cellular uh, included automatically. Uh, battery it's got the largest battery in this thing so it can last uh, 36 hours in regular mode and 60 hours in low power mode so you could use that for like your multi-day trek or whatever Uh, water resistance down to uh, 40 meters which is about 130 feet i uh, I, i'm metric so i (laughs) hopefully i'm right about that um and uh so that's it's got it's you can use this as a dive computer uh, apparently once the, this partner that they had, uh, partners with it, 200, uh, 2000 nits brightness. So that's got to help, uh, if you're low vision, uh, and have trouble seeing it in sunlight and things like that, uh, that could help with that. Of course, you, you're going to pay 799 for this watch. That's us, Ooh. um, and taxes, whatever else is chucked on that. Right. So yeah, Oh man. You'd better, got to
1: be a super be explorer for that. Yeah, very committed to this one, for mm-hmm. sure. Yes. But, I mean, even if you, you know, there's some great features on there, and if you talk the longevity of it, you know, maybe it is worth spending the extra 300
2: yeah.
1: Um, Do all of them, just, Mike, I'm sorry, you. I think you did mention, that they don't all have some form of waterproof, or do they? Uh,
5: yeah, all watches, to, to some degree, are at yeah, least because water-resistant. Yeah, swimming
2: workouts and such. Yeah, that's that's what things I, like that. Watch they they sure, can yeah. handle
5: swimming. Yeah, they can handle swimming, but I thought you said that. Yeah, the titanium, the Apple Watch Ultra, of course, takes that to the next level, right? Because it can handle the pressure. The pressure. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can go very deep.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and you know, for a long time we were we kept saying these phones—they're becoming like computers. They're so powerful, and now I'm thinking the watches—they're—it's just like having a phone on you, especially because they're thinking about the speakers and the microphones so much. Um, You know, many of us. I I, I
1: think also for a lot of people now. You know, men always wore their, their phones in their darn pockets, a lot of shirts, because people are stealing stuff right yeah. off of you. You know, now know you can keep great. that thing away in a jacket and just use your watch.
2: Well, just use your watch and yep. use a pair of AirPods and you're good to go. Um Speaking of AirPods, are the new ones a big improvement from the old? For yeah,
5: they they have the H2 chip. So that gives you better band bandwidth, essentially, and a more secure connection. So you're going to have much better audio. Plus they have new low distortion drivers and an amplifier that's been upgraded. Uh, So this is a lot of components here have been improved. So I think users of these will be pretty happy. Uh, It it, it can do the spatial audio thing. Uh, That's not exclusive to uh, uh, pros that, that feature anyone with uh, AirPods third gen, I believe uh, and, uh, and pro can use this and, A true depth depth camera on your phone can take a picture of your face and then use that to build a model of where to position sounds even better for you. So you're talking an ultimate uh, experience in the pro uh, headphones there. It's great. Lots to love there. Lots of improvements.
1: So incredible. Uh, So much great thinking.
5: Yeah. Another great thing with this is adaptive uh, uh, transparency mode uh, The chip in there can cancel up two times as much noise as the old pros. Plus, now you have this new mode that it evaluates sound about 48 times per second, so it can adjust, and you can be in, like, construction noise. They had a demonstration uh, in the event, and it will deal with that constructive noise and still let you hear what's around you at the same time. So they're, they're starting to be able to do things like that. Uh, where you can you can carry on a conversation in, like, really noisy environments. And, and you can still have people hear you as well if you're awesome. on, like, a call or something. And uh, they have a, a touch-sensitive layer, so you can swipe up and down to control volume. Uh, so a lot of and, – and batteries, the, the battery lives have been uh, increased. you got 30 hours uh, in total, uh, six in the, in the AirPods Pro fully charged, and then 30 in the case fully charged. So that's think, 36 hours if you charge everything up. So that's pretty good. That'll that'll keep you going through uh, quite a chunk of time. Um,
1: we're tight on time. I don't know where you want to go here. We've got about a minute for you because uh, I don't want to interrupt you in the midst of anything particular. Anything <laughs> else in your observations, either from what we've talked about or just something else, a tidbit you want to throw in there?
5: Okay. Well, we'll continue this uh, the next week, uh, we'll, we'll through the hardware, we'll extend that another week, but we'll finish with these AirPod Pros. Another thing that, again, will really help blind people is the case. It now comes with a speaker. This is another yeah. one of these little upgrades. So now, if you spend money on these Pros, you get a speaker in the case, and it will indicate by sound whether your your headphones are in and charging, whether it's connected. It'll play a sound. It's It's got a U1 chip in it, so the wow. Find My. Overdue for this locate, one. Yes. If you ask yeah, me, especially for,
2: for fine
5: My. Especially it, it, so. So if you've just gotten the last generation of pros, and suddenly you, you discover that these are it, like that's that's where things get kind of infuriating, and that's mm-hmm. uh, as we as we go into next week, we'll explore further dimensions of that tendency to annoy people who just got the, the last generation, latest, yeah, uh, even further with little tiny upgrades that make a lot of sense and. You think, why did they do this years ago? It's always like
2: that, especially for accessibility, Mike. (laughs) right, we'll talk to you in a week because there's a lot more to come about the iPhone 14s and all the other versions of them. Thanks, Mike. People can order the new products from Apple or other vendors of Apple products as well. And Mike will be back next Thursday.
1: Coming up next, folks, on the other side of the break, gardener Susan Kearney has some plans to consider specifically for our autumn garden. Gardens, next. Welcome back to the program, Ramiya Muth and Kelly McDonald. This is Kelly and Company. Your weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Going back to the end of the conversation with Mike Fair, I remember the days when you'd hear, we're selling out of a product, they're on sale, once they're gone, they're gone. And, hey, folks, September, the new models come out. So so you kind of had that heads up. You yep. obviously understand things are going to get better, whatever the next release is. But now, of course, the goal is, yeah, keep buying it, folks. Keep buying it at the same price. That's right. And then tomorrow, the best one's going to come out. The next update it's such and, a different way of thinking and, and where we always feel, man, you guys got your hand in my pocket and then you do a bait and switch on it.
2: Mm-hmm. And the thing is with cosmetics and aesthetics, if you will, it, that those stuff I can pass on, right? The, wait a few generations or yeah, whatever. Yeah,
1: if you don't get the brand new one right, right away. it's bots. not going to
2: hurt you. But when you think accessibility, like I'm talking about the AirPod cases here and the accessibility around having a speaker on those and knowing where the case is. You know how many times, Kel, I've had to rummage around and turn my house upside down looking for AirPods.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I can imagine. Well, even what Mike was saying about easier grip, and I know it's not just for accessibility. We're talking people, you know, underwater utilizing. But to be able to get hold of that stem like that, Mm -hmm. you know, these things are like, oh, my gosh, how helpful, how bright. Well, that's for underwater. We want, Yeah, yeah, I know. But it so happens to work for the low vision individual or anyone with any uh, deficit. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, every couple of weeks we get a chance to visit with our gardener. And, you know, we've noticed how many things that we are able to learn about year-round when we visit with her. So today the focus will be on Autumn, but let's bring on Susan Kearney.
4: Hello, I'm Susan Kearney. Join me on Kelly and Company to learn about the joy of gardening by using touch, taste, scent, and sound.
1: So I have a lot of fun when you get into... the the fall. And I think it's because everybody thinks of it as that wrap up time. Okay. What all's going to go on there? What are you going to do to get ready for next year? And you always have some wonderful things for us to kick around, such as plants for the autumn garden.
4: Absolutely. You can keep some plants going until November. Yeah. Um, Yes, absolutely. Some would be, um, I, I will be putting in some mums this week. Um, and they will, they, they, they like the cold weather. Um, and I, I think I'm going to choose some orange and some burgundy this year, and um, get those planted in. I've pulled out my begonias. I did that this morning. They were mm-hmm. looking rather sad because it's been <laughs> cool here at night, and they they didn't really like that too much.
1: So how, I pulled um, those out. And how mm-hmm. the mums? When you put them in, you say yes. through up to November. Let's say they like the cold. What's too cold?
4: Well, usually what we call a hard frost okay. um, is when they 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 they'll go then, and mm-hmm. that usually comes in 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 November. Of course, it depends on,
6: um, mm-hmm. you know
4: how you know what whatever because oh, yeah. you you never know. Sometimes yeah, the before I think Halloween fro, you know freeze in, yeah yeah came in December actually, oh, wow. and some other times. Um, in, in, into November, we've got some warmer weather, so it, it's usually what we consider a hard frost, and and that is when it really really freezes overnight, and you go out, and you can smell that smell that all the you know the, the greenery any greenery that's around you know that that's gone, and that's when all the all the water goes out of it. Actually, that's what the frost does, and it's a, a particular smell actually. Um, that that you can you can smell that. So
1: it's um, it's like the dying of.
4: Yes, the dying of. Wow. and and that is just the the um, the frost taking taking all the like freezing all the water out of out of those plants, and they just sort of go, mm. oh, okay, we're, gonna, we're going to sleep now. Yeah. <laughs> so right. The next one is ornamental kale. I will be putting some of this in too, and um, it's 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 kind of fun. It comes in a big bunch and it feels it feels frilly. You can't eat it. Oh. It is ornamental. Um
1: and I'm it's glad all they green. call it that. Remember this is ornamental. <laughs> Get it out of your mouth. It's
4: right in the name
1: <laughs> Don't eat
0: it. <laughs> Don't eat. it
4: there? Yeah, there is a, Now, I have kept kale, like or like eating kale. Um i I've kept that all through um to November too. And and actually it kind of ta- it tastes kind of nice when it's um when it's when it's cooked. Um, after uh, when it's had a bit of a frost.
1: Okay, I was but just going to say, do you wait of, yeah. for that frost too? In y- that case, yeah, y- y-
4: yeah. Some of it I do. I just leave oh. it. Um, I-, I just leave it alone because it-, it actually, and then you cut it down, and it will come back the next year. So yes, yes. I do. I do leave the kale for that particular. Um, it-, it-, it actually tastes very nice when uh, cool. when that happens, and I I don't I won't have. Too much this year um, because it was it was kind of dry and my my kale didn't do very well mm. so um, I might have a little bit of, but I'm going to put in some of the ornamental ones and usually what I do is I I take little pumpkins and I stuff the little pumpkins all around that like the the planter that I've got the kale in so that you've got the the green and the orange
6: pumpkins. Nice. So, mm.
4: Long as the squirrels don't mm-hmm. come along and pull out the the pumpkins, they do that, or they take a one bite out of the end of the pumpkin, of the little pumpkins. But the little pumpkins are the gourds, and it just makes an, <laughs> a nice display. So they're just watching
1: Susan me. put them in a whole lineup of squirrels. Say yeah. that's right. So she'll <laughs> yeah, go in yeah, the house yeah. soon. <laughs>
2: squirrels are watching. Yeah, that's yeah. watching. Yeah. So this is the ornamental yeah. kale we're talking about again, right? With the. Yeah, the really effect. Okay,
4: mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. You can just because it's sort of frilly, you can tuck those um, little gourds or pumpkins in or mm-hmm. around. Just makes a little bit of a, a nice display um, for the fall. And I, I'm in in my garden right now. Fall is my morning glory time. This is vine time. So if anybody has vines in their garden, um, this is when they. Um, many of them flower many of the leaves will actually turn different colors depending on what the vine is Um, of course our our grape vines they uh, whether they're ornamental grape vines or whether they're eating grape vines um, they put on a beautiful show at this time mine um, mine are the morning glories my morning glories love these early um, fall days where where it's cool and crisp and bright in the morning. And um, my, my photographer, who is my husband, mm-hmm. goes <laughs> out in the morning and he takes the pictures. Uh, and this morning he was out. We had pink, purple, different shades of blue and blue and white and white. Yeah, uh, he was out wow. taking up pictures. He was just... Uh,
1: Peter would Napping have a ball, I'm sure because he, he would take did. that time and do the setup in the right lighting yeah. for you.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, abso- absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, for for um, uh, a, an audio technician, he does very well <laughs> with the photography too. <laughs> hey, <so laughs> puts the same care into
0: it. So how how know, much uh, of the
1: year do you guys? Is this the time of year where, you'll, where you really want, not not just Peter's pictures, of course, but I mean, yeah. where you do the staging, where you want, I know that we talk a lot about the smell in the summertime and the spring, yeah. and different, yeah. but the fall does sound like that place because we talk of fall colors and different things. Is this yeah. where, that, where you would say that you would do the bulk of your staging in a year?
4: Absolutely, because the geraniums are still um, going strong. Um, I just went out and deadheaded some this morning, and so they're still doing very well. I've got some bright orange marigolds that are planted all around some um, tall ornamental grasses. Um, the, like the thick, um, the thick grasses that grow quite tall. I think they're about three feet tall. So I've got some of those, the bright orange um, marigolds. They're still going well because they like, they like um, this cool weather. They like the heat, and and they'll actually uh, last quite a bit into mm. the garden too, um, the orange ones. Have, and uh, one of the planters actually has some pretty yellow ones around some sort of reddish grass, which I don't know the name of. Um, it just... Uh, I think just got planted in there somehow, but um, an ornamental grass that I must have pulled out of another planter somewhere and put that in there. So that so he he does. This is the 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 colored time, as you say. In the spring, it's the scent and the the lovely, beautiful smells of right. everything. And then in the summer, it's um you you know you get all the crops. Um, yesterday I took in a, a lot, a lot of my herbs cause it was going to be quite cold, um, over e- evening. So I took a lot in to dry and, um, and to freeze. So I, d- I did that yesterday, but really the, the fall is, is for the, f- um, photographers, I think
6: because of yeah. the clear
4: sky. Yeah, And mm. everything. So I just let them go out there <laughs> and take all <laughs> sorts of pictures. Yeah, Absolutely.
2: Were there any other ones, Susan, that um, you know people could d- take a look at or just love during the fall? I, I'm I'm really appreciating the descriptions.
4: Um, you know, it's it's interesting when when you get to. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about grasses. Okay. And um, I, I went out to uh, uh, a greenhouse, um, and and I side they had all sorts of different um, bundles of grasses that you could buy they were they were planted there were purple ones um, there were um, yellow and green ones I don't know as I said I don't know the names of any of these but they they are an ornamental grass and, and they're really really lovely if, if you don't really want to be worried about flowers or um, plants or looking after that kind of thing get a pot of those because they don't need a tremendous amount of care. Uh, a little bit of water, and and they'll last up until the end of November too. And in fact, if you cut them back and then put them somewhere cool, or even just cover them up with some newspaper and um, and, and some plastic, then um they, they can last until the year, um the next year. And then in the you know the, through the summer and this and the fall they'll they'll grow back. They're fairly hardy if if the roots don't freeze um they they're, they are fairly hardy so in a in a pot and and they're nice you can just put them around on a balcony or on a patio and they they make a nice show and and they're actually kind of fun to touch some of them mm. have fuzzy tops on them which are really kind of cool um i don't know like sort of like a cattail Um mm-hmm. uh, then oh. you can touch those it, and and when it's windy they make a really interesting sound. I do love it. Um,
2: That's another yeah. thing about the, the fall. With the wind and the breeze yeah. that seems to be yeah. uh, more and more present, you can yeah. see and feel and hear that through a yeah. lot of different ways, especially when you're on walks, which I really appreciate. So, Susan, when we're um, thinking fall, for some reason I, yeah. I my mind keeps going back to how short it's going to feel, right? Like November feels like it's around the corner, and then what do we do? Do these... Plants, like you say, with the, the ones at the beginning, do they frost up and freeze up and fall asleep for yeah, the winter? Yeah, they can if you...
4: If, yeah. Yeah, you can. But you can... Um, can we bring with, them with in? With the mums, I just let them... Um, I've never done that. Okay. And I've never done it with the kale. Um, I actually just let them freeze up, sort of like an annual,
6: mm. and
4: then put them into the compost. I don't usually um, bring any of, uh, any of those in. Um, they've pretty well... They pretty well are battered by the time right. um, you know the cold comes, and um, and so on. And and taking them from the roots, it's, it's rather difficult because they're they're very close close rooted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, and I've And how about the done, potted
2: ornamental grasses and such? Same thing.
4: Yes, I, I, those I have saved, um, and then um, planted them in other places the next year. Those I have saved because as long as their roots don't freeze, um, grasses are fairly. Uh, um, they're they're fairly hardy. Uh, mm. That that they can they can take they can tolerate a lot of drought. They can tolerate the cold. But you do have to bring them in uh, right. or wrap them up. You can't um, you can't leave them out in the in the cold. Um, they they, they probably themselves. look very pretty. Have yeah. fun, guys,
1: and yeah. they can f- they can handle that durability being moved and swapped around.
4: Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow, yeah. that's great, yeah. Sue. Um mm-hmm. we've got about thirty seconds. Anything in closing?
4: Um, n- no, I, I think just when you're when you're out, um there's all sorts of planters all around and they're switching them over to the fall thing so you can touch them and, and feel some of these some of these things. Um they'll put in some sunflowers maybe or uh or some, you know, the kale and uh, even the uh, ornamental cabbages, which I've never planted. I find they go mushy if it's too cold. And I don't like taking them out of the garden. But they, you'll find them in a the lot of planters. They're kind of, that's kind of fun. And the colors, purples, oranges, bright reds, the rust colors, uh, those are all our lovely fall
1: colors. Photography heaven. Have fun online, you
4: guys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Sue. Yes, thanks. Bye. We talk to uh, Sue every couple of uh, Thursdays here on uh, Kelly and Company. Please tune in again in a couple of weeks when she joins us. Up next, Canada's marking September as the first annual annual inherited retinal diseases month. I had to make sure I paused and said that right, folks. We're going to learn more about it next here on Kelly and Company. you feel you get a little bit behind on the program want to catch up maybe you have that favorite contributor or a topic that you know we chatted about you want to hear over again best suggestion subscribe to the kelly and company podcast there you can listen to the show in segment form or you can listen to the show in its complete form including the audio vanity card that rumya is providing today for you folks that's on the end of the complete Kelly and Company podcast experience. Or, as mentioned, hey, maybe that favorite contributor, maybe Mike Fair, what he was saying today, you want to go back and re listen to. Check it out via the Kelly and Company podcast available to you using your favorite podcatcher. I'm Kelly McDonald with Rumiya Muthan.
2: Today's Vanity Card Kells is about um, unjinxing your technology.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Unjinxing it. So this is that yeah. after you've jinxed it, or sort so of? you don't.
2: Because I think I may have jinxed it by creating this vanity card. But also, it's really about you know hoping that your technology is not jinxed.
1: Wow, that's it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's
2: good especially tease. when
1: you're not sure what's what's in it, what's wrong, what mm. happened, how did it power off wrong, or or did, where, how did something strange happen, and you pray that powering off, just cycle it, it'll yeah. be fine.
2: You never know. See, that's a good guess about what the vanity card is, but you got to listen Baby. to the full show podcast mm-hmm. to find out more. Let's get into the conversation with our next guest. Canada is marking September as the first annual Inherited Retinal Disease uh, Month, Awareness Month, IRD Awareness Month. And we're going to learn more about this inaugural month with Larissa Maniz, Director of Research uh, and Mission Programs with Fighting Blindness Canada, FBC. Larissa, thank you so much for coming on Kelly and Company. Thanks
7: for having me. Happy to be here.
2: Can you start by please explaining to us uh, exactly what an inherited retinal disease is? Kelly and I both, um, our eye conditions qualify under this, but for the rest of our listeners.
7: Absolutely. Absolutely. So in inherited retinal disease, or as you mentioned, an IRD, it's um, easier to say IRD, Mm -hmm. um, they're a collection of um, over 20 different eye diseases. And this could include eye diseases like retinitis pigmentosa, Stargardt disease, cone rod dystrophy, Usher syndrome. And IRDs are caused by specific gene mutations, um, either one mutation or multiple mutations. And the mutations really impact how retinal cells work and um, usually cause the retinal cells to die specifically
2: photoreceptor
7: cells. And so ultimately this leads to vision loss and in some cases blindness, although each IRD will impact vision in different ways.
2: Mm-hmm. This is a really great explanation, um, a lot of the the practical sense of what it means to have IRD, right? What, how you might experience it feels very, very different, but yeah, down to that mutation. So... Mm-hmm. With it being the first annual Inherited Retinal Disease Awareness Month, uh, the FBC has a few different events planned, a lot of them being very different from each other. The first one that you've planned is the um, gene your gene agnostic therapies viewpoint webinar. Can you tell us more about the webinar?
7: Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, um, inherited retinal diseases are caused by gene mutations, but there are over 300 genes that can cause an IRD. And so while there are some really amazing um, and groundbreaking gene therapies that are coming to market that are in clinical trials, they only work for individuals who have very specific gene mutations. So another type of innovative therapy that researchers are looking at are therapies called gene agnostic therapies. That means they could be um, applicable to many different individuals. So even if you have different mutations, It will be a therapy that's maybe trying to help a photoreceptor survive or reduce it dying. And so to talk about some of these therapies, we have invited Dr. Daniel Chung, who is the chief medical officer at um, a company called Sparing Vision. And so he'll be joining us for our webinar on Thursday, September 22nd. And I think it's going to be a really fascinating conversation. He's going to be talking about therapies to preserve vision in retinitis pigmentosa, in Usher syndrome, in other conditions. And he also has experience working with Luxterna, which was the first gene therapy right. that has been approved for an inherital retin disease. So I think he's he's coming with a wealth of experience and I'm really excited about this conversation.
2: Yeah, Luxterna, I'm so happy to say, is buzzing. Like, people want to know so much more about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm hearing a lot of people converse and just being curious about what exactly it is. But, yeah, it brings us back to gene therapy and what that is. Um, But, uh, you know, I have some experience with clinical trial for a gene therapy for my condition, which is a mutation of the Leber's congenital amaurosis family. And the thing is... um, it, I'm I'm very excited. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. I'm very excited <laughs> that this is um, becoming more informative and, and and more conversational. On September 23rd, Larissa, you have a Facebook Live event. It's, can you explain what this is going to be uh, highlighting?
7: Yeah. So I hope everyone will join us for this. This is um, on Fighting Blindness Canada's Facebook. You can join us for Facebook Live with. Dr. Robert Kounakoub, he is a pediatric ophthalmologist from Montreal Children's Hospital. So he sort of wears many hats. He's a pediatric ophthalmologist. He is an expert in um, the genetics of inherited retinal diseases, and he has really been at the forefront of helping to bring clinical trials specifically for inherited retinal diseases to Canada. So I think he's going to talk about a little bit of all of this, but it's also a really great opportunity if um, anybody out there has questions that they want to ask Either, you know, you can tell us beforehand, but please join us on Friday, September 23rd at 1230 um, to ask Dr. Kuna Koop your questions.
1: I love it. I love the idea of the access, Larissa, because so many of us, and this is what I think is one of our wonderful gifts that the pandemic did give us, more thinking along the way of, hey, the inclusive thing. And I, I know being involved in so many things through the years, um, you know, we, you, you think gosh, if somebody could get here from so-and-so location or whatever, now we've we've taken it and opened the door. Um, but, but you do have an in-person. This is a pretty big event, too, going on, mm-hmm. and this is being held on uh, October 2nd in Toronto. Give us some details on this event.
7: Yeah, you're right. So for two years, we've been all virtual, which has been a wonderful opportunity for us, actually, to try to reach more people who, like you said, can't always get to the event or live too far away from the city we happen to be hosting an in-person event in. But uh, you, you you, really sometimes can't make up for some of that that in-person conversation you can have right. at an in-person event. So we're so yeah. excited to get me back. Um, so Sunday, October um, 2nd, as Kelly mentioned, it's at the Toronto Reference Library. So if you live in Toronto or in around Toronto, we really... Like really invite you to join us on Sunday. We have some great speakers. We have some clinicians. We have some scientists. They'll be talking about inherited retinal diseases, both um, research as well as potential treatments. But we also have um, sessions for many different types of eye diseases, age-related macular degeneration, cataracts, glaucoma, and fantastic opportunity to not only talk to the researchers and scientists, but also to meet other people in the community. Mm. Um, that is actually one of the more powerful parts about Viewpoint um, It's sort of that, that ability to have those conversations. For instance, you um, often have um, parents whose children have been recently diagnosed with an inherited retinal disease and coming to Viewpoint might be the first time they've met somebody else who has a child or has an inherited retinal disease themselves. So it can be a really powerful um, opportunity to to meet and learn and uh, make some connections.
1: I think it's that warming, that feeling that I'm not, we're not alone. The family, the 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 child in question, the parent, with everything they've got to deal with, and asking those questions. Yes, it's great. You might be able to get to the to the doctor and question the professional about it, but as you say, you can turn to the person beside you and say, "Yeah, that's a, that's what my my son has. Well, mine too." And those wonderful mm-hmm. conversations can happen. Uh, What other resources do you guys have available for IRD month?
7: So we have um, a social media toolkit that's on our website. And so we're sort of inviting everybody to um, use hashtag FBC IRD month and join our online conversation. And if you download the media toolkit, there'll be some great images you can share. You can also go to our website to learn more about inherited retinal diseases, as well as other eye um, eye diseases, um, other resources, so at fightingblinds.ca, we have a wealth of
1: information. Do you guys find and, that? Oh, go ahead. I'll let you finish that before no, I no, jump no, into this go, next question. No, no,
7: you go ahead
1: with the next question. Well, I, with us talking about the pandemic, the time and everything being open, do you guys find you're fielding a lot more questions, uh, a lot more people reaching out now that that kind of now that they, they're more aware? I I've always found, especially when I worked in Toronto all the time, I, you know, I, I came across a lot of information. You go anywhere else, folks just don't know. And since the pandemic, and as you were mentioning, so many online events, I bet you guys are, are being questioned off your feet.
7: Oh, absolutely. So I think the um, our viewpoint webinars are one great opportunity where people can get to know us and have an opportunity to ask questions. We also launched, actually right before the pandemic, a health information line. And so this was a way for if you have a question about your eye disease, about your um your eye health journey you can reach out to us by email by the through the phone and we can help um either answer your question or direct you in the where you can find the answer we're not medical professionals but we will try to help you um figure out what sort of questions you want to ask next time you go to your doctor as well
1: okay you want to throw that information at us just once more where do people go where's the quickest way to get all at all those resources
7: So our website is the best way. All the information will be there, Fightingblindness.ca.
1: Awesome, Larissa. Thank you, Larissa,
2: for joining us. Um, This is a really informative conversation, very resourceful that people can be sent to all these different places and events happening throughout September. We know that FBC FBC is doing a lot to um, get the conversation out, not just for people who have IRD or who might already be aware of it, but for everyone to be talking.
7: Absolutely. And thank you for letting us sort of sh- share about this wonderful month. I think it's great that we're trying to bring some aware- awareness to what are
1: rare diseases. Phenomenal month.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blindness is a spectrum. And this is just one of the, the pieces of that puzzle. Larissa Manise is the director of research and mission programs with Fighting Blindness Canada, talking to us about the first annual inherited disease. Oh, I can't even say it. Inherited. Retinal Diseases Awareness Month, IRD Awareness Month. Um, And you can check out any number of things that they're doing to help recognize the occasion.
1: I grew up not thinking there could be anything done for my eye condition. So Mm -hmm. one of those guilty people of, ah, maybe I'll wear the glasses. Maybe I'll check in with a doctor. And that. not much we can do for you. Now so much they can do. So do be on this, folks. We've got an hour ahead here on Kelly and Company. Curious Minds with Christine Malik. Plus, joining us on this week's roundtable, our newest addition to the Kelly Co team is Grant Hardy today to join us for the conversation. But up next, it's the Thursday Buzz with the shack. Billy's here. We'll start in just two minutes.
0: From ABC News Tech Trends, Car & Driver has named its second annual EV of the Year winner.
3: Our EV of the Year was the Hyundai Ionic 5.
0: Tony Quiroga is the editor-in-chief of Car & Driver. He says Hyundai's Ionic 5 crossover impressed judges with its fast-charging tech.
3: You can replenish 100 miles in around 11 minutes in our testing. And I believe Hyundai claims, and I think we verified it, that you can take the battery from 10% to 80% in just under 20 minutes.
0: Many noted the ionics
3: retro styling as well. I mean, if you're a fan of the European hot hatches and even Japanese hot hatches from the 1980s, there's a lot of that that seems to have inspired uh, the ionic styling.
0: 20 EVs were eligible for this year's competition, though Kiroga expects that number to grow in the future.
3: We may stop doing EV of the year just because, you know, it's just going to be it's just going to be the mainstream will be electric vehicle
0: with tech trends i'm mark Remillard, abc news
7: you're listening to an ami audio mini bite connecting disability is hosted by journalist megan gilmore her guests consider how experiences of disability help them to connect with society Megan's guest, Jack McCormick, a human resources manager at Microsoft, gives his best advice for new graduates who are entering
3: the workforce.
2: What advice would you
3: have for them? There's so many pieces of advice I'd love to give. I think, in terms of finding
1: employment after you graduate, one of the most important things to keep in mind is that finding a job is a numbers game. And so, you may find that dream job and put together the best application in the world for that job.
3: So probably at least five or 10 other people and most jobs get hundreds of applications. And so what I'd encourage you to do is really think about, you know, what are your skills? What areas are your, you know, top dream jobs? What are your second from the top? And what are the jobs that like would be okay and might eventually lead to a dream job?
7: That was a clip from Megan Gilmore's Connecting Disability podcast, episode 10, featuring guest Jack McCormick of Microsoft. To listen to the full episode, download Connecting Disability on your favorite podcast platform or go to ami.ca forward slash listen and visit Connecting Disability's show page. This has been an AMI-audio mini bite. I'm Grace Scofield.
1: Remembering those times when your cane got stuck in the sidewalk, poking you in the stomach? Oh! This is Kelly and Company on AMI-audio. well here we are folks for the second hour of the thursday edition of kelly and company if you can't stick with us for the full live show remember we are available at 10 p.m eastern time and 6 a.m eastern time do check us out and of course as mentioned you can find us via a podcast just simply subscribe Rum Yamuthan, Kelly McDonald, we are the hosts of the show. Wednesday through Friday, we get a chance to visit with Bill Shackleton. He's one of the producers over here at AMI. Why do we visit with Billy? Wow, the man brings us some great things to talk about, Rum. Billy, welcome back to the program. How are you today, Shaq? Doing good, doing good. So, Billy comes on with a variety of topics. We never know where he's going to go with these. What do we got, Bill? Where are we starting?
8: Going to do this one. Now 15% is rude, Mm. coming from the Canadian press. So they're calling it in this article, tip fatigue. And it happens when, you know, it seems that everywhere you go, you know, restaurants and especially these um, pay machines, they are asking for money and people are very, getting very annoyed and very uncomfortable me. People. yeah Oh, me too <laughs> me too yeah well the people are you know in during the pandemic you tipped because you felt sorry for for uh, everybody know, was in need pers- yeah that's right and now it just seems that to me um these pay as you go machines are are saying 18 to 30 percent. Although, of course, you can put in your own amount. But people are intimidated by when they see that. Oh, I have to put this much in. Um, Put in your 15 percent, and that's and just forget it. Well, there are some
1: places, Billy, where that you before the pandemic went to. It was already built in, they said we are including the tip and that, and they were higher end places generally that that had that their I guess their view was if you can't afford this, you shouldn't be eating here should be here attitude right some people and and again, I don't know what the reflection is if this is more of a hey, if you ask for it, because we're Canadians, we're going to oh oh yeah, sure here, but if you don't ask, you will not receive. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was a disparity beforehand and more people than we think never bothered to tip or put out the proverbial quarter. I, I, I'm not sure if this is a more knee jerk for that, because the one thing you'd figure is we just want business. We want people here. We understand there's a level of I'd like to recoup some of my losses through the pandemic, but there's not a reality of but that with not. people's yeah. budgets, with how many other people are saying, yeah, I would like someone to pay me money through the pandemic to stay home. Right. But they didn't.
2: So there are ways yeah. where directly people are um, putting in the effort to make back that money, right, which right. is raising their prices, okay? We're already, you know, annoyed with that, but we get it. We can we understand it. We get the legitimacy. It. Yeah.
1: Uh, things cost more now. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And it what costs more,
2: and it's because they're trying to recuperate all that, the loss. But this, you know, 18%, 20%, 22%, when you're buying a pop at a, fast food chain or whatever like i'm being a bit dramatic but still it's similar enough right where you walk up to the counter with your product or you order and then you had to put in a tip this is this can't be the replacement of the tip jar right tip jar is like when we used to have money uh in cash and then you throw in your change or something like that and that even was Understandable to me, but we've all moved to debit and credit, and now uh, the tips are almost mandatory. Like everywhere I go, I'm seeing the tip option for simple Mm. over-the-counter purchases, and I really don't get it. I don't think that I should be put in this awkward
1: position. Well, it used (laughs) to augment places such as if you ordered a pizza, you pay you tip the driver because they they weren't paying him. What you would think a person would get per hour. So they said, look, you just keep your tips. You're out there. You get them. They're frontline. We understood that certain places, they're not paid what you would think they'd be for the service they're providing because we're to do our part and tip um mm-hmm. the, most of the places we're talking about when you talk and and bill i think further in that item as we were talking off the top of the show about it uh the the lady said i was asked to tip for buying stuff for my six six week old and yeah. you know you stop and say but that's online who who's the processor Oof. there other than the people putting it on you know out or setting it aside before amazon gets it to ship to you
2: yeah and you know what too because of the online thing that just made me think of something when you're on uber eats you can tip like multiple Tons. times. Yep. You can tip yes. for the driver. Then they would the appreciate a tip for the store itself. Then they want you to tip the whoever. Like I don't know. Okay, and I'm, then
1: your service charges.
2: Exactly. So I'm thinking my burger was ten bucks, but this is a forty dollar meal now. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah it's, but um, but it's the convenience, Billy. Are you willing to pay that? And I don't even know what before the pandemic, the list of places, and I'd be so embarrassed if I went somewhere and didn't really realize it's proper decorum to give a tip. There Mm, are certain places I Mm -hmm. didn't really think about it. You know, I think if you, when I would go into Tim Hortons, grab a coffee and walk out, I never really thought of the person behind the counter, aren't you going to tip them?
2: Do I need to tip someone at Tim Hortons? Apparently. I have not been doing that.
1: Yeah I, yeah, I I had to start because I felt silly like Whoa. when I was still working in Toronto and I learned this.
2: But see, that's the thing. So well, was that the cash jar thing, like the tip jar where you just toss in no, your change? No.
1: I would just On your debit. give it to the person who probably I was paying and I hoped that they had a communal jar. Oh man. Other coffee shops though, I do know of the that's tip brutal. jar.
2: Then it then it it begs the question, you know, are people just really not getting paid enough anywhere? Well, they, well
8: as the article suggested um, um, that we should pay these people a normal wage, but I think they'll still want more money. I don't know that. I mean, I'm, 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 I, I, I would say we're paid a normal wage. So, so what about
1: you, Bill, as a person who's gone over the years to restaurants and so on, need somebody maybe to read a menu to you or whatever. I have always felt I do tend to ask maybe a little bit more of the server it doesn't and mean I get it, it than other people. So, therefore, I, I will judge my tip on the quality of That's help right. I've been given. If they're reading something to me, if they if I say, Can you show me where, you know, to point me in the direction of the bathroom? Well, sir, you know, hang on to my elbow or whatever, and I'll watch for you coming back to mm-hmm. get, get you back to your table. Understand that kind of thing. I, I, I would be totally offended by somebody yeah. who would not tip in that case. Uh, and for good manners, I was always uh, somebody who's pleasant to me, always.
8: Um, One more issue that the article brought up, which is interesting, is there's no law in Canada that says that, you know, that that how much tips can be, and there's no law that says you can't, like, if you tip a restaurant, you you don't know how much, where your tip is going, how much of the tip is going to the cook, how much is going to the server, and I think, that's right, and I think that you should have the right to tip. Let's say the food was good. The server, the service wasn't. You don't know. A lot of a lot of these restaurant owners, they split all the tips up. No, the or person in the kitchen they, may never yeah, see that. Yeah, that's right. People yeah. never see it.
2: And that's a really good point too. But again, it it goes back to why do we tip? What are the intentions behind the tip? Are we trying to make sure that everyone gets paid? Because that seems unacceptable to me. People should be getting paid uh, well. A salary. Yeah, they a living getting, wage exactly. Yeah. And then the other thing is, like you said, Kels, we're put in predicaments. It doesn't have to be predicament. It could be positive, where because of our disability, we require and ask for extra assistance and support. And when that's given to us with a smile on their face, I do tip better because I I appreciate them, right? Well, I appreciate the customer service.
1: Then you come back there, and that person says, "Yeah, that's that jerk that you know." Yeah, really. That's, uh, yeah. Like you, 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 you also some people will think of it that way. That well, I better make sure. Because next time I come in here, they're going hey, to, mm. I might be put in the same category no as the time. cursing, rude person going <laughs> through the drive through right? Right, right. Um, and yeah. as for the you know people in the back, the chefs, I, I think they're viewed in a different way. So they're paid that living wage we're talking about in a, in the case of a full-time job. And again, folks, don't mean to suggest experts on what the lineup is. Mm-mm. Many of you out there who have worked in these circumstances could tell us what for. And maybe you're on Twitter now saying, you guys don't even know what you're talking about. okay. But these are kind of some of the things we can take away, especially as disabled people, knowing, I know I feel, I was raised, they're giving you smiles, they're pleasant, give them a yeah. proper tip, please.
2: It's, it's our biases, right?
1: Yeah, let alone the assistance I might need. It's not my fault if the if the menu is inaccessible. And that's <laughs> yeah. kind of... You <laughs> that's know, true, of too. We
2: could definitely go down that road.
1: That's right. And so, <laughs> you know, well, of course, we well, want to send the I manager... I wouldn't need out? your help Since if I could read better? this. <laughs> that's right. You know, send a manager. He can read it to me. I don't mind. He's paid differently. <laughs> Bill, not... we have time for one more, sir.
8: Yeah, we do. and We're talking about pet detectives in China. Oh. Uh, pet detection, a growing industry in China. So millions of people in China, this actually comes from Global Times, never seen this one before, mm. but millions of people in China have pets. So the industry that is, that is growing in leaps and bounds is if you lose a pet, like a private detective, they will find help you find the pets. So they use urine samples and they they use some um, infrared. They use electric. They said electric noses. I have no idea what an electric nose is, but um, apparently they will help you find your pet, like a like the private detective, Valerie Queen, or whatever. <laughs> um, kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, very. Um,
2: yeah. So, how um, many people are losing their pets though? This is what I'm curious about.
8: Well, I don't know how many people are losing them, but millions of people have them.
2: Have pet Uh, detectives. Yeah. No, have pets. Have pets now. Oh. Because of the pandemic. (laughs) It's like, wow, that rose so fast. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, most people have pets now. But, uh, I mean, if this service itself is rising in popularity, it makes me think, like, what is happening? Or is it outdoor cats you know, what kind of the pets are getting
6: lost? i got yeah. I gotta, I gotta
1: look dogs. up the electric nose you've got me now so curious because I, I imagine this this that this nose like looking thing. like thing moving along little like mm. a like a like a drone just doing a big old sniff looking yeah. you know hunting out you know pets
8: well they actually the other thing is they will teach you how to take care of your pets um because apparently a lot of people in China and maybe others other places don't know how to take care
1: well i think you so got a lot great. of people who who got pets who maybe went online did yeah. what they could to a point but there was so much purchases and stuff going on that probably people found themselves a little deep in water when, when yeah. they did so and unfortunately we're finding that out now when uh anyone interested i i just i gotta go back to work i can't keep charles you know so uh i i think that that's become become an issue billy talk to you tomorrow man talk to you guys tomorrow Bill brings items to us Wednesday through Fridays right here on Kelly and Company to begin our second hour of the program. We call the segment The Buzz. He'll be back Friday with the next edition. Up next on Curious Minds, Christine Malik highlights images from the James Webb Telescope and explains sonifications that are making those images more accessible for us. Please stand by. We'll be right back. Okay, folks, have some channel locations for you. Why? Well, you may wish to listen to AMI-audio via your television. Shaw Direct Advanced customers, check us out on uh, channel 825. And Shaw Direct Classic uh, customers, you guys can find us as well on channel 825. But anyone out there, visit AMI.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area in which to take the show in. Kelly McDonald at the home studio, London, Ontario. Ramiya and she's hanging out at the uh, main campus in Toronto of AMI. As we settle on back, it was interesting with Billy during the buzz bringing to us the tipping item. We had, we had talked about it at the beginning of the show, but obviously didn't have a lot of time to get get into it. I, I don't think segment one could have held it. <laughs> we needed that extra time. You talk about running out of time and coming back. And uh, that was like our first installment, installment a of cut for time. This yeah. Week. <laughs> I
2: was literally, I was just thinking the same thing. If I could pick this for tomorrow's cut for time, I would too. There's just so much to think about, but honestly, um, you know, as you were saying, because of our accommodations or extra asks from disability perspective, Uh, we tip because we appreciate the service, right? And I think that part of it is what feels like it's fading.
1: I I feel like what you're saying, yeah, but you also feel already because so many... So many people we know in the disability community are are financially challenged. So now you're knowing I have to give a little extra or I really shouldn't be going out. Well, I don't get out enough because I can't really afford it. I'm on assistance and stuff like that. It's a wonderful treat to be able to do so. I know when I was on disability, I knew if you're going to go out, you're going to get something. You got a tip because I was raised in that world. At that time, I started to realize too about, well, if I'm having the person read the menu... They're not serving other people, and somebody actually might get annoyed at them, saying, "Look, you know, I've been waiting here to get a fillip of my coffee mm. while I was just helping the table over there. I don't care," mm-hmm. and that may they may suffer via that person's tip because they're caught in the middle too. So I, I I've always thought of those things for years, and and again, the upbringing, the guilt, which again, it's not my fault that they may not have it in braille for me to to read a yeah. menu or nowadays accessible via. There my is phone. a lot of the guilt though. There is. There's oh, very always much.
2: a lot of the guilt, and it's, it's the same guilt we feel when we feel like there was no service, and we're still expected to tip. Yep. And we do anyway. Like you said, was like... it you who said it? Because we're Canadian, we will just do well, it. That's cause it. It's there.
1: <laughs> well, and you also sometimes, even if a person's rude you, you'll still do it. But you also feel if I've asked anything of them, or you feel like they just figure. Well, I'd really actually rather you go to another restaurant, let yeah. someone read the menu to you, because we have plenty of customers here. We don't need your service. There's that time where you feel that way, too, or I have, you know, in life.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, the amount of times I go with sighted friends to restaurants and they end up reading the menu for me, I should be tipping them at the end of the day. <laughs> also, oh, yeah. Cause...
1: Yeah, but but you wouldn't You'd sit there like, uh, oh, OK. Unfortunately, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't really know what to do here at this point, and it can be so, so frustrating, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's pretty interesting because, you know, you were pointing out that there were a lot of places you weren't even sure it was customary to tip. I mean, when we think hairdressers or Barber, dogger. that's exactly or, what I exactly. was just going to say,
1: and I remember when I learned that.
2: Yeah, exactly. For those things we, we think, yep, we do have to tip, but for a lot of other um, things like Tim Hortons, I never even thought... I would have to tip. Well, I think
1: because they also have such a takeout drive-through.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. I don't know how many people. Obviously, you know, I don't drive. I don't know what people do at a drive-through. Do you? Yeah. Do they ever? Do you give that little extra in that? I, I have to assume people do. Yeah.
2: So, Kels, uh, I think we're having a bit of trouble getting a hold of Chris Malik at the moment. So we're going to talk about some other things because we could talk about tipping all day. But, you know. Oh, yeah. People are tired <laughs> People are of that like, now. They're on. done with that. I know. So Thanks we're for indulging on. us. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. So we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about this. We've reached the halfway point of the 2022 Atlantic hurricane season.
3: Last spring, federal forecasters predicted as many as 21 named storms in the Atlantic, including three to six major hurricanes, those with winds over 111 miles per hour. We've had five, four of which wandered aimlessly around the Atlantic before fizzling out. And now I think that the odds of a quiet season are are increasing with each passing day.
1: Texas A&M Atmospheric Sciences Professor Robert Cordy says there is
3: still a chance of major storms headed into the late summer and fall. So he urges vigilance on the part of coastal residents. You can really let your guard down by the end of November. Jim Ryan, ABC News.
2: So I think that um, for people who, you know, have to pay attention because they live in places and circumstances where you're thinking hurricane season all the time, right? Or you're thinking hurricane uh, potential all the time just because of simply where you live and what you're used to and it being a part of your, you know, radar, Um, this is one thing. but. For me, I always feel like it's a bit of an update. It's a bit of a catch-up to what's been going on um, because we don't get it here. We don't mm-hmm. get it in, in the GTA. And um, it always makes me think back to emergencies, dealing with um, disasters, Disasters exactly You know how proactive people are being and how proactive our government and our services are being. And do we get better at that stuff every year?
1: I found it fascinating too. By the way, just a note: wandering around the Atlantic it, it, or the Pacific, it just lets you realize how mammoth we think a hurricane is. Yeah, how it affects you know hundreds of miles around it, it, its center. And yet these things wander around the Atlantic, uh, causing no harm or, you know, like you just think, oh, my gosh, no, it just ends up going out there and fizzling out. Um, I think, Rumya too, having that feeling and, and really glad that we're having this kind of season. We've seen seasons go by where it's just been terrible for places. I remember always thinking, oh, this would be a good place to live. in. Oh, that would be a real cool place to visit. I'd love to go hang out there. And years ago, and then I realized they have earthquakes there. Oh, yeah. There they have hurricanes. Oh my goodness! They have—it's a lot of heat, and I always thought, no, I think I'll just stay put here yeah. and 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 really celebrate that. Now that doesn't mean we don't have terrible blizzards that come in, or cold, or or lose people to a, a terrible storm or something—you know, high winds and things falling down or or whatever. Or accidents on the lakes—that certainly don't mean to suggest that, but in that sense of feeling more comfortable, more safe in in that element. Uh, can storms, will we see storms do weird things now because of the climate changes that we keep, you know, we keep talking about here on the program? I'm sure. Has the GTA ever had a hurricane come through or remnants of one that was was significant? Sure. We all talk back to Hurricane Hazel that went, that went up the St. Lawrence and got into the GTA area and caused a lot of flooding and damage. So... I I do get it. I do understand. And when I when I hear this, and we've had the Weather Network people talk. I remember last year specifically about the hurricane season. But we've also seen in our lives such horrible loss. So kind of kind of glad to hear, and glad to hear that maybe they thought things were going to be a little worse, and they're not. Um, Canada's military watchdog says fewer than a dozen of the uh, roughly eighteen hundred complaints he's received from service members over the past year are about mandatory COVID-19 vaccines.
4: Ombudsman Gregory Lick has told the Canadian press that the vast majority of individual complaints
2: are related to benefits and services, and only 10 have to do with COVID-19 vaccines. Since December, the Canadian Armed Forces has required all troops to receive two shots of a vaccine or face disciplinary proceedings. The majority of service members have bared their arms for shots, while more than 1,100 have not. Lick says most of the vaccine-related complaints came from troops who had their request for an exemption rejected he adds that all investigations found that the military followed proper procedures brenda molina navidad the canadian press
1: so I understand the complaints for people who have been rejected um, and who have requested and, and been rejected but i also think it's that attitude the military has i mean the folks are going to battle that That's the view, whether it's against this virus or, or whatever. Uh, they're put in circumstances, many of them, where they were around vulnerable people. And uh, I think that it, it's a real credit uh, when we look at this kind of thing, because I think sometimes we get the attitude, well, if anyone's going to say no to it, it's going to be military people. They're not going to, you know, they're going to have a problem with it. I think we tend to put people in a box when it comes to who we think is going to have a problem for whatever their reasons. And and some people, they have their legitimate concerns, their reasons or health issues that make it so they cannot or do not. They're scared of it. They have reason to be. Whatever it is, not trusting of it, whatever it might be. But we're also looking at a world that right now is in better shape, Um, the best shape we've been in the last few years when dealing with it. We touch wood always when stuff like that's said. I'm trying to reach that desk over there to touch wood here Um, because we know winter's coming uh, and other parts of the world have gone through their winter uh, or or are on the upswing to spring for them. And you just hope people are put in that position of safety and and we are on the other side where we can manage this as something that sure isn't going away, not Mm going to disappear, but we're finding out the ways of managing it
2: yeah i wonder how much you know people in these positions of authority will will take complaints with a grain of salt versus saying hey every you know bit of feedback counts and we need to be in touch with our people and in touch with what exactly um The society, members of society are worried about, concerned about, you know, if we're saying not trusting, why aren't they trusting that kind of stuff? Because now we're several years into the pandemic since the beginning of it. Right. And I'm curious, you know, if to date there have still been this many complaints about vaccinations or vaccination related, uh, it does make me think like, you know, even after all these years, what is it that people are worried about?
1: Um, I uh, I always wonder how much is other elements of our being where we are in this part of the world with our freedoms that we have. How well, much course. it always comes into play. Somebody is corrupting my freedoms. Why do I not trust, tr- trust medical? Well, maybe if I it. didn't have to pay so much for, for drugs and stuff in our world because we see big pharma doing this, that, which is what we hear a lot. There's a lot of reasons, as we were talking about with the tips and stuff. Well, I hope the chef in the back who actually did all mm-hmm. the painstaking to make my meal all right is being paid, right? We, we always wonder why, wonder how, wonder who, and what manipulation are we being, oh, uh, 18%? Well, last time I was here, it was 15
2: Yeah. Well, no matter how you look at it, people are expressing themselves all the time in whatever ways, uh, and if you feel like you're being stomped on mm-hmm. <laughs> for some reason or another, you know, disagreed with, um, I, <laughs> there are a lot of opportunities for for you to let yourself be known, and that's definitely true. Whether it's health concerns or not, it's more, you know, why do I get, have to do this when that person across the street doesn't have to, right? And those are the things that I imagine are the biggest complaints because even if we if we think about um, politicians who have left the country, right? That was yep. a huge uproar and for fair reason. If you're the ones putting down these rules and you're not following them yourself, then it makes me question the, the basis in which I have to follow these rules.
1: That's right. So, yeah. And, and I think that's our... <laughs> In our country, I think that is sometimes our biggest problem because I'm not I'm not I'm not sheep. I'm not just gonna follow along without. And even if I provide you the reasons, there's still gonna be a couple people that say, you know what, I'm still not buying your reasons, Cal. I'm not buying what you're selling. I'm not doing that. And you don't know if it's mistrust of me, the system, being told to do something. Some of us just resist because if I tell you go left, you no, I'm going to go, go right. right. You don't, yeah. You're not the boss of me. Get out of here mm-hmm. until you fall over whatever. I, no, I told you to go left. Um, <laughs> it's so hard because no one wants to be manipulated, and we are so afraid and want those answers today of, I am safe doing this, right? Right. Oh, yeah, most likely. What do you mean most likely? <laughs> so I, I do think that, and I think we also figure if I don't do this, it only hurts me. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, OK. but our society better. Better
2: yeah. better.
1: yeah, But our society does also try to prevent us from hurting ourselves, whether it's seat belt or whatever it might be, um, where some would argue, well, that's really only for my protection." Well, not if you're in the back seat, and there's an accident, you come forward and hurt the person ahead of you." Um, one could argue that too. So uh, I, I think it gets so tricky, Rum, because no one wants to force an opinion. Or a decision on somebody. You well, we definitely can't. No. Even if you wanted to. No. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You don't have that right. Folks, unfortunately, we weren't able to get hold of Christine Malik today on the program. We'll see what we can do to uh, uh, get her out here on the program uh, with uh, her segment at some point. Anyway, we'll step aside for just a moment. Grant Hardy will rejoin the program uh, today with us for the Kelly and Company Thursday Roundtable. Isn't it convenient that we have a round table?
4: Well, it's actually it oval.
1: Just saying. Yeah, the blind guy feels it now. Goes. <laughs> like, I, I, will say. I guess it is oval.
6: Kind of oval.
1: Well, you're uh, there at AMI head office. You've yep. got the proverbial table in front of you. I do. You've got the whole table. Jeez.
2: Oh, when is the last time we did round table from the office?
1: I think uh, every time you're doing it in the office from now on, you should probably host it, select all the items to talk oh, yeah? about. Yeah, I think that's Doesn't the way Doesn't not to matter go.
2: anymore since we're going to be transparent Preferbial. about all the items?
1: And we've always been saying, you know, the proverbial round table. Yeah. It's the virtual table. One of those things that basically suggests it's in that's your awful. minds. <laughs> Welcome back, folks. Uh, we do this on Thursdays. Uh, Ramya and I gather with, uh, with a guest, and we v- visit and kick some topics around. Really, I select these things, and, well, Ramya used to not have any heads up, but just in case I get kicked off.
2: Did you send them <clears throat> to me today?
1: Yeah, earlier. Sure? Pretty sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I d- <laughs> well, folks, anyway, generally I'll send them <laughs> to her, so in case I get kicked off, she may be able to either make something up on the spot, Or help us out. (laughs) I'll
2: make up my own clips.
1: (laughs) Today we welcome to uh, the Roundtable a guest who's been with us before on the Roundtable, but now as he works with the Kelly and Company team, we thought, hey, man, let's make this guy really work. Let's give him his real initial uh, uh, inauguration to the team. Welcome back to the Roundtable, Grant. Oh, hello again. (laughs) <laughs> again and again and <laughs> again well it's it's like before i said he'd be joining us again and i realized no no today he hasn't been on the show no. yet it was our meeting earlier that made me feel like but also he's been here twice yesterday once today and tomorrow we'll be holding down the fort as we uh move uh grant wow. into taking over health and lifestyle headlines uh welcome back how's today going
0: uh it's good man i uh I'm wondering, I mean, I'm the guy that you just can't get
1: rid of now. I'm you have wondering. A strong
0: presence. What, <laughs> when am I going to overdo my welcome here? <laughs>
1: Well, I, I think I think the bosses would say, use Grant as much. Make sure he's being used in this new situation here. You guys have fun. Take advantage of him. So we are Grant. Careful
0: what you wish for, right? <laughs> All right. Well, let's have some fun at the same time.
1: All right. Let's get at it, guys. A new poll suggests that most Canadians feel no attachment to the British monarchy, and that a few, a few have few have been impacted of late uh, by Queen Elizabeth death.
3: Conducted by Leger and the Association of Canadian Studies, the survey found a majority of Canadians are indifferent to King Charles' ascension to the throne. The poll was conducted September 9th and 11th following the news that Queen Elizabeth II, the longest-ever-serving British monarch and Canadian head of state, had died at the age of 96. While her passing has prompted an outpouring of tributes in some corners of the world, nearly three-quarters of respondents say the Queen's death has had little to no impact on them personally. John Kennedy, the Canadian Press.
1: So we talked on the program with Billy that the fact that we're hearing so many people with their memories, and I know when she first passed, there was a lot of programs on up here in Canada where people were saying, in one of her visits to Canada, uh, there, there there were many visits to Canada, twenty-two in total over the seventy years, and. Um, you know, people had some memories of of that, and we've talked about over the years the importance of the monarchy and how now it has changed. We've had conversations with Danielle McLaughlin uh, about this stuff on the program. Um, do we feel that this may be the result when we look at which provinces said, "Yeah, we want to do a little more on Monday, the day of the funeral, by giving people the day off"? Now, this is happening in the Atlantic provinces, but. Quebec, uh, through Alberta, basically, um, are not participating in the same way. But Grant, out there in BC, you guys have Monday off. Is that is that right?
0: Um, it really depends on where you work. Our schools have the day off, um, but a number of companies don't. So unfortunately, there's a little bit of inconsistency here, and especially with school kids being sort of out of Class, uh, but parents potentially working, I'm kind of wondering about just whether Monday is going to be a day of mourning or how, like how much we're going to have for families that's just going to be a bit of a logistical sort of uh, challenge juggling, you know, childcare and, and that kind of thing. But I, I would say it's very inconsistent from what I've heard.
1: Ontario here, a day of mourning. It's interesting because, again, you go back to maybe you look at a poll like this. Is this a reflection of the some of the conversations we've had of late about uh, Canada being part of the Commonwealth, the monarchy? You, you start seeing that lack of commitment that is Canada's notorious for of saying yeah we're going to do this almost like for show hey we're hearing that we're we the federal government's recognizing this oh good for Canada's federal government but along the road the provincial says yeah but it's not good for business so we're we're not doing that if people wish to get up early you know maybe their bosses will let them alter their day a bit or something but we're not we're not making a hard line position here Ramya to to make this kind of decision again more of the as as Grant said it's kind of a hodgepodge in his province, one participating more than this province of Ontario is.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, the inconsistency, I think, is going to throw a lot of people off. And this is whether you're recognizing the day, like with your company, or not. And um, see, like Grant just pointed out a a tactile version of this, an example, which is what's going to happen with childcare and if... Parents are going to work, but kids are off school. What does that even mean? Yeah. And so we're not actually focusing on the morning. This is what I'm talking about. Yesterday I brought this up with the intention around uh, Billy's conversation, and it's that if we're not focusing on the morning because we're so caught up in, hey, wait, what do you mean some of us are doing it, some of us are not, and what does this mean for federal and provincial and all of this stuff, um, are we really... Justifying the day for what it's supposed to be, it doesn't feel like it.
1: Nope. Uh, and and with that, Grant, I have to ask: Are we respecting the monarch that we've known? The, uh, whether you respect the monarchy, want think we should have it or not? In this, you know, in our society, you, you do feel kind of like a uh, the backhanded slap. I do.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I think it's what you both were saying about just Canada's commitment, Canada's messaging tends to be a little bit mixed on things. I Mm. could not for the life of me tell you what Canada's stance Mm. on this really is. Our monarchy is obviously, yeah. Yeah. Our our, our monarchy is obviously a huge, uh, I mean, all criminal cases, right? It's been the queen of Canada versus whoever like it's mm-hmm. very prominent in our courts on our money you know it's very ingrained into our society but i i i suppose we see something like monday and we wonder you know what are the cultural implications of that and how sort of ingrained is the monarchy into our Lives, and if, if it yeah. sounds like I'm being a little bit wishy-washy on this, I guess I guess the truth of the matter is I'm not really sure where we stand. Other than mm-hmm. you, you know said, what it is, uh, it's because
1: metal. Grant, you're Canadian. um <laughs> 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 I think you just gave the wonderful <laughs> example, but I'm gonna switch it up here, guys. Sort of stick with the same, well, uh, something along the lines of the Queen. When Dave inglis took up the bagpipes at age forty. He never imagined that he would one day perform for royalty, but the 61-year-old wound up at Balmoral Castle on August 17th playing the bagpipes for the Queen along with 40 other uh, uh, pipers, drummers, and dancers. Take a listen.
0: When people can ask me how good a bagpiper I am, I can say, well, apparently I'm good enough to play for Her Majesty, and I did. So there... (laughs)
1: I love it. England said that the Queen seemed to enjoy the show very much, and he was shocked when she died just three weeks later. Have either of you, now, Rumya, I'm aware of you carrying the the Olympic torch. Mm-hmm. Um, have you, either of you, performed? I'll start with you, Rum. For, for dignitaries. Oh. No, I no, I wasn't going to go that far. No. <laughs> and I knew have better. have not mentioned that much. it yet? No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just kind of, well, I forgot. It's just one of those little old things I did. Uh, anyone that you would consider dignitaries, and that includes mayors, any, anything like that.
2: I don't any recognition? think so. No. I don't think so. Other than uh, the, the kind of media presence and dignitary presence we got when we carried the torch in Toronto uh, during the Vancouver Olympics in 2010. Uh, Aside from that, I can't really think of anything. Oh, But if my mom was here, she would probably tell me something. She would. In the Tamil community,
1: yeah. Grant, have you?
0: I'm afraid to say (laughs) I don't believe that I have either. Um, Yeah, I I don't have much to say on that other than... Well,
1: you can pretend that somebody, uh, some dignitary, must have seen you on television before. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's just say, let's go with that one
0: angle i was about to go with <laughs> maybe maybe the queen has watched
1: am i this week? oh my gosh maybe
0: past. never never we gotta
1: no. check
2: her tv history
1: um <laughs> I, and i i know one time remember grant back in the day we did a series when charles king charles was in canada and across the country visiting different cities but they happened to be a lot where our offices were and we shot in the day that he was, well, the trip he was taking, it was a you know, few days trip. We shot footage. And I know when he was coming out of Ryerson, my team, we were shooting him and he came down the steps next to me. We got good, good footage. Then he was off to Alberta. Our team out there got stuff. I was going to bring it up with Jim Crisco when he was on the other day to see if he you know had a recollection. I think for me... Um, not a performance, but recognition from the mayor of Toronto when David Miller was still mayor. Mm. A few of us, Billy, myself, and one of our other producers, Tony King, who we've had on the program before. Uh, we were recognized for our work at, at AMI at one point years ago. Um, but no no plays or theatrical performances or certainly not my singing. Well, I might have been buried <laughs> in a choir singing uh, in front of uh, dignitaries. I think we may have went on a trip um, to the lieutenant governors, and I think our choir may have sang for the lieutenant governor, but I, I'm not even that's sure that might be something I might be making up to. I am trying to figure out, why were we there? Uh, guys, I'm going to move on to TikTok. Uh, so many people like to, well, talk about the TikTok. U.S. researchers <laughs> say TikTok search results are riddled with misinformation. A research report published Wednesday says searches on the TikTok platform
3: regularly steer users to misleading information. According to NewsGuard, in nearly one in five searches on TikTok, the platform suggested videos that contained
1: misinformation. For example, researchers say they found misinformation in searches for videos about mRNA vaccine, the 2020 election, the January 6th insurrection
0: at the U.S. Capitol, climate change and Russia's invasion of Ukraine. TikTok, which is owned by China, Chinese company ByteDance trails only Google among the most popular domains
3: in the world, according to online performance and security company Cloudfair. In a statement, TikTok said its community guidelines prohibit harmful misinformation. I'm Mike
1: Gracia. So we've heard this with YouTube and many of the others that had to go to this because they knew people were putting things out there. The world is flat, and this is why. Yeah. Um, Ramya, you, you spend a bit of time watching TikTok. I'm going to assume it's not a place you would necessarily run to Uh, for necessarily certain things, maybe how to, how to do this or do that. Okay. How to certain cooking and and things like that. But you tell me.
2: You know, the the funny, like I was actually laughing at the end of this when they were saying they prohibit misinformation. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Because yeah, you sure. prohibited it. It's not there. Yeah, oh my. That's right. doesn't are exist. Are you kidding me? You know. We just the, haven't found it. The funniest stuff is when people duet misinfer- uh, videos that contain misinformation. So duets are these kind of split screens on TikTok where um, a user will take another user's video and then you can see them reacting okay. to that former yeah. video. So yeah. there's all All kinds of these up there. Reviewing it. Yeah, reviewing it, making fun of it, rolling their eyes at it, whatever they want to do, right? And so there's so many videos of misinformation, of just ridiculous... I don't I don't even know what to say. Opinions? But somebody's correcting
1: it, Rum. And, and it's not correcting. possible. They're full of misinformation. Yeah, okay. And we need a video that's triple screen.
2: Well, it's unbelievable. And even the amount of blind, low vision, disability presence that there is on TikTok. And how many people go ahead and correct misinformation on that front. About different, like I've seen tons on misinformation on just blindness. It, it, it's wild to me that, <laughs> that now, this if you're is blind trailing... you need one of those
1: electric noses.
2: Yeah right or <laughs> that it's trailing Google like that's unbelievable it's so big and yet there's so much in misinformation on TikTok man.
1: Grant curious of your feelings about don't know if you use TikTok enough but the, yeah. we mentioned Google Yeah, I know you can't believe everything as we say with Jeff Ryman on Google either
0: I've I got to say, man, I have some very mixed feelings about social media. And this is one of the reasons why that you can really fall down some, some rabbit holes of right. misinformation. And, you know, I remember when I was a child thinking like, ah, oh, you know, the days of citizen journalism are almost here. You know, people will just post what they see and experience and it'll be up to the minute news. And now we see that the elections are literally being altered by... Misinformation pushed through algorithms. We've got just these bizarre conspiracy theories mm-hmm. about like 5G networking and the COVID vaccines and some stuff like that. And just other really bizarre, like radical rabbit holes that you can fall down, which the algorithms sort of feed. I, yeah, I really have some issues and just trying to avoid the content of my own, but. It, I always see it occasionally from, like, my friends of friends, and I'm I'm just like, no, not you two. Right. Like, you've <laughs> fallen down this rabbit hole as well.
2: Do you second-guess what Google tells you? Like, if you said, hey, Google, when are the Ontario provincial elections, 2022, and then Google gives you a result, will you trust that, or will you go? And that's such a simple um, question, right?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty careful to always um, – Always examine the uh, website that it's directing me to. You know, Mm -hmm. there was this thing where you asked the Amazon voice assistant like how to do something, and it told you to like stick something into an electrical outlet. (laughs) There was something like this, and kids were like trying this, and they had to reprogram it. It's scary. I I may have that slightly wrong, but it was something very dangerous. Oh, stick a coin in it. Mm. I don't know, something like that. It was very dangerous. You know, it's scary stuff. We really have to be careful.
1: We do. It is amazing, and I think everybody owes it to themselves to kind of double check the fact or understand this is written by a, as they like to say, a uh, a lady contributor, right? right? So you gotta keep in mind that it it might be me just answering what I think is right, the best way to do something, and you might be, yeah, I need a little more than that. Grant, as usual, thank you for joining us on the roundtable.
0: Always a pleasure.
1: Grant Hardy, reporter me. here at uh, AMI. Uh, always love having him on for the roundtable as we do this every Thursday on the program. Bring a guest on and Rummy and I chat with them. When we return, we'll see what's coming up tomorrow on AMI-tv's Now with Dave Brown, as well as talk to you a little bit about our show. Stick around. Well, lots ahead on tomorrow's show. Hope you you can come back and join us. We'll get into that and tell you a little bit about it shortly. We wanted to remind you that if you missed any of our show today, check out the Kelly and Company podcast. Simply subscribe using your favorite podcatcher, and you can listen to the show at your leisure, maybe in binge form if that's something you prefer. But remember, you can listen to the show in segment form or the complete Kelly and Company podcast experience. If you don't mind, while you're in there, maybe give us a rating and review. Ramya, any particular segment you want to give a shout-out to today on the program?
2: Well, we talked a lot of Apple uh, this week and a bit last week as well, and we will be talking for, you know, as far as we can see. But the perspectives today from Michael Fair on... um, accessibility on all the different features and exactly how they relate back to our needs our accommodations and what Apple is doing to continue uh, making things more accessible. And what I loved is he compared price points. This is a really important part of these product um, evaluations and what it means if you're paying the top dollar versus getting something that's uh, a bit more price-friendly. So check it out. A lot of information on that segment that you can review on the podcast.
1: I learned from Susan Kearney today, our gardener, about when frost hits, a deep frost, a hard frost, I think was the term, and when your garden plants that are still left die and the smell I di- didn't really, mm-hmm. I'm sure I've smelled it before, you know, when you've gone through past a garden or whatever, if there's been a heavy frost. Uh, we learned so much about plants that you could be putting out right now that are great into November, that like the cold. It was a really wonderful segment. We went in many places with the segment with her. It was really enlightening, uh, a lot of fun on there. So check that out via the podcast. Uh, I'm always amazed by some of the things Sue brings forward to us because there's so much to talk about, even at this time of the year, when you think... Yeah, to let put the garden to sleep for the winter time. So much still to talk about and get yep. into. Also, like to welcome in Paul Daniels, one of the producers over there at now with Dave Brown. Paul, your show's on at nine in the morning. What do you guys have lined up for Friday?
5: Hey, Kelly, on tomorrow's show, we'll have the Friday News panel convening as journalists Michelle McQuake, Julia Gupta, and John Dave Brown to discuss some of the big issues of the week. Mm-hmm. And human critic Mecca McNeely will give us his review of the Real Abilities Film Festival workshops that took place earlier this week. Ah, uh, yes. And They look and, good. And, uh,
1: they they look really good when, when you see they this. Were really and really what timing, yeah, they were Paul. really good. What timing, Paul? They were
5: really good. Yeah, And uh, Greg David from our marketing department will tell us how to connect with accessible media on Facebook and Instagram, and also some of the new returning return, new returning programs on
1: CBC this fall. Awesome. Really, really good. Sounds like a great show, Paul. Lots of good discussion. Take it easy, sir. We'll talk to you next week. Take care, Cal. So we can catch Now at day Brown on AMI-tv at 9 a.m. in the morning. And of course, the, you can subscribe to their podcast as well. Uh, Rum, I think we had enough topics from the roundtable all the way back to the top of the show with tipping to, you know, I'd be hesitating checking your Twitter feed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Usually yeah. it's ads, and now uh, Twitter's going to probably try oh, to take me off. Oh, there'll be some
1: ads, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some things people might have to say. But you know what, folks? We always welcome that and hope that you will, especially those of you when we were talking the tipping. you know, Maybe some of you are out there, and that, that wage we're talking about or the situation, maybe you'll give us that reason as to, and I don't want to suggest, don't tip. That's just not something I would do. I, I'd always tip. I'd always... but. Maybe we're not sure where and what's really going on out there and how much of that money you see. So really interesting to get some some perspectives on that run when we get talking with Bill or in our segment one.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Kels. And it's always good to get a little controversial.
1: Yeah, sometimes it really is. Makes for good radio, radio. they say. Talk to you tomorrow. Talk to you tomorrow. Reporter Grant Hardy will return to the show. He threatened. He said he will. And producer Jeff Ryman, they'll be bringing us the latest lifestyle headlines on the show. New accessibility and sharing features are coming to Android devices. John Beeler, he's here with the updates. Also, the Indigenous Disability and Wellness Gathering, hosted by the BC Aboriginal Network on Disability Society, takes place in November. Sylvie Fouquet, she'll be sharing more. Bill Shackleton returns for the Friday Buzz with Bill. On the chatty bookshelf tomorrow, Ryan Huey highlights Audrey, a new audiobook player with a twist. And let's get the conversation, recaps, and comment on segments from the past week on Cut for Time, folks. We set you up for your weekend tomorrow, starting at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm waving at you, folks.
2: is it just me or is there always a bit of keeping your fingers crossed when it comes to equipment? Now, I will be the first person to put up my hand and say, yes, I am terrible with maintaining and doing the software updates and all the stuff that you need to be on top of to make sure that your equipment is functioning well and consistently. However, if everything is working properly I have some feeling in the back of my mind that says "Uh oh something's about to die soon now I don't like that because I feel like I'm jinxing myself and I feel like I'm jinxing my equipment but that's just the way it is if my headphones are working great if my phone's working awesome and my mac and my laptop are all doing fantastic fantastically and my speakers at home and the TV you know everything that's technology everything that uses internet or a wire to charge then I think hmm it's only a matter of time until one of these conks out and I had to go put in the ka the dollars to get it replaced or get it repaired so right now it's one of these things is one of these moments where I'm like actively and consciously thinking about how all my stuff is doing well. So, how long will it last?
5: Hi, I'm Red Sail, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.